Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jerry Ors and today we'll be talking about a whole bunch of wonderful films including Incredibles 2, Maya the Bee 2, The Honey Games, as well as Avengers Infinity War. But right now we're going to start the show with the brand new animated film Incredibles 2 and we're going to be speaking to Rowan. So Rowan, let's just jump off the bat. What did you think about Incredibles 2? I really liked it. It was like, it was real, it was good. It wasn't as good as the first one, but it was better than a lot of movies that have come out recently. Well, yeah, I kind of expected it because, you know, the first Incredibles was a masterpiece. It's very famous. It's probably one of the most well-known animated films. So let's talk about that, though. Why isn't it better than the first one? The original was like it was something brand new that no one had seen before. And it was original idea. It was done really well. And this was the same kind of ideas. They were implemented really well, but just because it's not original, it's not going to come out as good. Yeah, that makes sense. When the first Incredibles came out, it was the first of its kind. You know, I also want to talk about the animation because Pixar, it's their bread and butter, their animation skills. I mean, if you look at Coco, that looked like real life. So would you say that this film had the same effect where the animation looked so much like real life? And yeah, there were some specific ones that looked like so realistic, it was crazy. Um, specifically, this was in the trailer where um, Elastigirl is riding her elasticycle through the city and she breaks through a window. It looks so realistic. Yeah, also, when I was watching... Sorry, go ahead. And also there's a lot of water features in the film that were really realistic. You know, I had the same thing. When I was watching the trailers, at first I was like, wait a second, this isn't an animated film. And then it took me a second to realize that. And I'm glad that they can improve water. I know that liquids are an incredibly hard thing for animators to animate. And uh, let's talk about the story, because based off what you're talking about, it sounds like it wasn't as original. So how was it not as original? Or well, it was pretty yeah. original. So what happens is, um, so this company... And contacts a bunch of superhero superheroes because the anti super laws have put the supers into hiding. This is the part of the first movie, and now this company is trying to you get superheroes back in the spotlight so that the law is well they get so that they'll get rid of the law. And then there's this vil- the villain character who's Green Slayer. He wants to. Um, stop the superheroes from getting the getting this law passed as well not passed unpassed interesting you know uh, when I was looking at the trailers because they didn't talk about that a lot they simply talked about the kind of at home relationship between between the family, which I was a little surprising because, you know, it's the Incredibles. They're a family of superheroes, and you're focusing at their in-home relationships. I get the importance of that and all. I was just a little surprised. Did you feel at all that it kind of didn't really focus on the actual superhero aspect at all? Well, I feel like it was really a, it was really a 50-50% balance because, like, and the, 
they the two it was two main stories were a couple subplots that were involved. One was Mr. Incredible having problems raising the um helping the kids because he really wasn't up to the task. And um it was Elastic Girl was being a superhero and she was having all this fun, but she was worried that he wouldn't be able to succeed at taking care of the kids. Okay, very interesting. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and right now we are talking to Rowan about the brand new animated film Incredibles 2. We are just kind of looking at the story and showing how it focuses on both the superhero aspect 50-50 as well as with the actual at-home aspect. And uh, my next question is kind of just about Pixar's motto recently. They've been making a lot of great original animated films, but they've also kind of started making a lot of sequels from their classics. Would you say that they, you would like to see them keep doing that, like Toy Story 4, Finding Dory, and now Incredibles 2? Like, would you want them to keep pushing those, or do you think they should just stick to releasing these originals? I think they should continue releasing originals, because at some point we might get, like, another Cars 2-type film, which was really just a money grab that didn't fit the series. Yeah, yeah, we don't talk about that film here. Um... That film was a very, very big disappointment, to say the least. But uh, for Incredibles 2, back to this film, what was the voice acting like? Because, of course, we still have a lot of the original cast, despite it being years later. Uh, well, I, I, I liked the voice voice acting in it. It was like... Because, like, in the movie, there was a lot of voice-changing technology was used by the animated characters. So it's like you couldn't really even see most of the characters' mouths. So like all the lip syncing was really in- ignored. Um, but yeah, the, the ex- expressions were really well matched to the expressions shown on the cam- characters' faces. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting. I was not kind of surprised about that. I didn't expect that. And um. For Incredibles 2, would you say there's any moral or message or anything? Because based off the plot, it sounds like there is a really big moral related to family. Um, well, yes, there's a there's a pretty big moral about trusting your family that they will pull through. But uh, but the, most of the morals are more like like there's things like uh, like more topical things like how how women can do the fighting and the getting the job and that stuff. Stuff that you don't typically like see women doing in films until recently. Yeah, like women can be the head of the household, it's not just the man's job. And I, 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 I think that's great that they're doing it. I know a lot of Hollywood films don't do that. And the problem with animation, it's often very fairy tale in my opinion. So they don't really try to go any social messages since it's all about the fairy tales. Uh, would you watch an Incredibles three in a very very long time? Apparently, but would you watch an Incredibles three? I would watch an Incredibles three because the previous two have been so good. But I yeah, I would want it to be a long time away because if they do it get if they do it like soon and like over the next four years. It's just going to be, like, it's not going to be well-made as the other two. Well, I think that makes sense. You know, it takes time to develop a very good film. 
both in quality of animation as well as in story. And uh, my next question for you is, this is just kind of a general question for Pixar since they are so good at animated films. Would you say that their quality is getting better or worse with the years? Like, would you say that the most recent of their best films is better than their classic films from the early 2000s? And yeah, I feel I feel like the animation is getting much better. Like for like since like the Good Dinosaur, their water has been so much better. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. So true. And um, so yeah, a lot of so yeah, they they are definitely improving their their animation. And I like how in this in this film they did keep some of it faithful to the original. Like Frozone's ice that he shoots, they use very similar textures on the modeling that they did in the original Incredibles movie, instead of making it more realistic, slightly transparent. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad that they kind of stuck to the original, even if it was lower quality, because, you know, it's still the original. It's still what they had before. I'm glad they did that. So, overall, how many stars would you give Incredibles to? I'd give it five out of five stars. Really? And why is that? And because, well, no, it's not as good as it's the original Incredi- The Incredibles. It's still a really well-made film with lots of good storyline. Well, it definitely looks like an incredible film. And one last question for you, Rowan. Uh, what age range would you give this film and why? I would give it ages... I'll give it ages, like, 7 through 17 because it kind of has a bit more like in like important darker morals that are like top they're topical but they don't really not really fit for kids like five six yeah that makes sense this film definitely does look like it tackles some very controversial if you want to call it that controversial issues anyway Rowan, thank you so much for talking to me about incredibles 2 thanks for having me of course. For our viewers, if you'd like to check out Incredibles 2, it is now in theaters near you, so definitely check it out. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions, and this week's show is sponsored by Super 4. Welcome to Gunpowder Island. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. 
are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Talia Jacknook, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. And next, we'll be talking to Callista about Incredibles 2. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Callista. As always, thank you for having me. Of course. Okay. I have to say that I've waited so long for this movie. I mean, it's been long enough. I needed a new Incredibles. Okay, so the first film came out in, what, 2004? That's so long ago. And I've been definitely looking forward to seeing the second one. And hopefully this new one does justice for the franchise. So tell me a little bit about this movie. So it takes place almost immediately after the first one ended. And after a very well done opening action scene, it appears that the laws against superheroes are going to get stricter. However, a activist for superhero rights gives Elastigirl an opportunity to change that. And and while she's doing all the... Then while she's fighting all the crime, it's Mr. Incredible who is now taking care of the family. Huh, a little bit changing the gender roles here. I really like that a lot. Sounds so interesting. So, okay, what are your overall thoughts? Did you enjoy it? Did you not really like it as much as the first one? I adored this movie, and I, I just I loved it so much. And it is probably one of my favorite Pixar movies. So... Oh my gosh, okay, well, I definitely need to check it out then. Wow, okay, one of your top picks. I mean, Pixar is a great franchise, so I'm very glad that you like this. Okay, so tell me, like, what's the biggest difference between the new one and um, the original? Hmm. I guess this one, there are quite a few changes that I kind of noticed a little bit. Like, for example, how, of course, obviously, animation differences, but, I mean, it's not that noticeable considering i mean the original incredibles had a lot in the original incredibles had like good animation for 2004 standards and this one is kind of different but not too much to me i'd say the biggest change is that there's a little bit more action because i felt like the first incredibles was a lot more um character driven i guess you could say but this one actually i feel like they do a lot more action scenes Okay, yeah, definitely. I think that adding action scenes makes it a lot more interesting. And do you think that they added too many action scenes, or do you think it was just, like, the right amount? Oh, no. I I really enjoyed them. So, I mean, I thought it was pretty good, and I, enjoy, I enjoyed it a lot. Okay, that's good. That's good. So you're saying that there's been kind of an advancement in the animation. How so? Is it, like, the coloring of the characters? Is it the way that they're drawn? Well, I guess you could say that, like, it's a little bit more in terms of, like, the quality of the animation. Because, yeah, I mean, it's a Pixar movie. It's going to have good animation. No one's surprised there. But I just kind of feel like they kind of updated things in terms of, like, the quality of how it looks. Like, little things like textures and, face and like, the way the faces look. It's just, like, little stuff like that I kind of noticed. Okay, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm very happy that there's been an advancement. And yeah, I was just seeing little pictures of some of the scenes, and you could actually see, like, the fur in some of their coats. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, but um, definitely Pixar's animation is amazing, so I'm glad that it has high standards, this one. And so, okay, 
say if I did not see the first Incredibles and just coming into this film, would I be completely lost or do you think I could kind of figure out what's happening? I think there are certain parts that, like, you would need to have seen the first movie from. Like, for example, the subplot involving Violet and the guy she has a crush on, like, that would, you would probably need to see the first movie to understand that. And then also considering that there is sort of, I guess you would say it's a callback to a Pixar short that was released, like, years ago. So, it's like, if, if I feel like you would need to have seen it for certain aspects, but not all of them. Okay, that's good, that's good, because... I feel like it's definitely really important to be able to kind of go into whatever film and kind of figure out what's happening. So at least I wouldn't be completely lost. But okay, thank you for that. But so you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about Oceans 8, Incredibles 2, and Maya the B2, Honey Games. And right now I'm talking to Callista about Incredibles 2. So what's your favorite scene in the movie and why? Uh, um... Okay, I got, I have quite a few favorite scenes, so I'm gonna try to, I'm, like, I'm actually, like, right now I'm trying to think, just, like, which one did I like the most? I think (laughs) some standout scenes, including, or include both the scenes with with Edna Moe, because she is amazing, and I love her. Um, a lot of the Elastigirl action scenes are really good. Um, I think a really good one was when, like, Jack Jack the baby kind of gets in this really this really random fight with like this raccoon I think it's a raccoon I don't know animals um <laughs> but it's like because you know how they implied like oh Jack Jack has powers but then they kind of showed like a lot of powers and things like the trailer and in the first movie so you're kind of thinking oh so what are his powers I kind of like this scene just for how ridiculous it is in terms of how many powers Jack-Jack has, because this isn't really a spoiler or anything, but there are a lot of powers that this baby has, and it's kind of hard to keep track of, and this mo- this like scene is just hilarious in terms of that. That's great. Yeah, I was always wondering, what could that baby do? Because in that first movie, I was so confused, because, I mean, he was just turning into so many different things. Okay, so obviously there's a ton of hilarious scenes. Did you feel like there was enough comedy, and did the jokes actually make you laugh, or were they just kind of, oh, okay, I get that, that could make someone else laugh? I did find myself laughing quite a lot, which I don't think I was really expecting that much. But I did kind of feel that, like, it was, this movie is kind of dark, actually. And I do kind of, it is actually, I mean, Disney and Pixar haven't shied away from dark topics, but I don't know why, but I just felt like this movie was weirdly darker than normal. And I feel like the comedy doesn't distract from that because it's like, it has kind of, like, it gets a lot darker, like, as it goes on. And in the beginning, it just feels a lot more, like, lighthearted. So it kind of works to me. Very interesting. Um, could you elaborate a little bit on, like, the darkness of the movie? Like, what about it made it kind of darker? I mean, a part of it would in- would it involve spoilers, but I'm just gonna- I'm gonna say this in the most spoiler-free way I can. Things like a character's motivation, like, this particular character's motivations, backstory, and, like, the way they kind of act feels dark to me. And I don't know if that makes sense, but, like, just- if you saw the movie, it would 
it would make sense. I just don't, I just don't like giving spoilers. Yeah, yeah, that's very good that we're straying away from the spoilers. But okay, I get that. I get that kind of maybe how the little bit of development with characters, stuff like that. Okay, so I watched a trailer for this film, and it seems like there's a whole new family dynamic happening, and also, like you said. Um, so now Elastigirl is the one working, and Mr. Incredible is staying at home. Do you believe this switching of gender roles was intended to suggest that it's okay for men to be at home? Yeah, I feel like considering, especially in animation, there are a lot of, like, dad characters who are just, like, very insensitive and incapable which i feel doesn't make that much sense but like in this movie there are actual moments with like in mr incredible and the kids where i just actually kind of just like i felt like i awed out loud and i was just like okay that's adorable because there are some legitimately adorable scenes in this movie involving mr incredible and his kids that's so great yeah definitely i've noticed that not a lot of animation movie, or specifically, I guess, Disney, has really had, um, had, has had like a father figure kind of figuring out the family and working with the family. But um, I'm definitely glad that this one has that. And so there has been like a lot of women empowerment movements happening, such as like Time's Up and Me Too movement. Do you believe that um, these had an influence since this was basically originated some of these movements in the film industry. I guess you could say that considering they do kind of imply things about like, you know, girl power things, but okay, this is another thing where I'm like trying not to give a spoiler, but it's a bit more sinister, I guess. It just, there's a bit, there's a bit more implications if you know what's actually going on, but like, if you understand, like, what's going on, but unfortunately I can't because of spoilers, it does have a bit more of a darker tone when you kind of under- start to understand what what's going on. But I just kind of feel like it is a little bit, it's like, it's more subtle. Okay, that's great. And, okay, so it's like a, kind of like a subtle thing happening here. That's really interesting. I did not expect there to be some, like, cynical things happening in this film. But, okay, so what's the overall theme in this movie? I guess this movie specifically, like, because I feel like this is another message that, this is a message that was similar to the message in the first film, but I feel like this one is about how it, how, like, family is kind of like a team, and it's, like, how it does focus a lot on the teamwork aspects of things. Okay, that's great. Yeah, okay. Definitely in the first film, I noticed that. I'm very happy that that message is carrying along. And so what's your age recommendation for this film? I would say my age recommendation is about 8 to 18, because, again, a bit dark. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, yeah, definitely having a little bit older since you were saying that there's a little bit of darkness happening in this film. And so what's the star rating you get? I would give it 5 out of 5 stars. It's a really good movie to me. Great. Okay. I cannot wait to see this movie. I'm very excited. And so thank you so much for letting me interview you today. Of course. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Okay. Let's take a break. I'm Talia Jacknook, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attraction. Today's show is sponsored by Welcome to Gunpowder Island. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. 
to become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year, or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm jerry Ors, and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we just finished talking about a whole bunch of great films and now we're going to be talking to rowan about the brand new film maya the b2 the honey games so rowan how are you doing today good thanks good so, can you tell us the plot of this film? Just kind of introduce to us about this film. And um, well, so there's two bees. They're named Maya and Willie, and they're friends from Holly Meadow. So, so they really want to be in the this Honey Games thing, which is like the Olympics. So they travel, they travel for their hive to um, a cat, Bostropolis, which is like their bee capital of the world and they they accidentally anger the empress so she challenges them that to the honey games well basically if they lose they have to give all of their hive summer honey which would basically kill their entire hive to her and if they win they get to keep their honey and get to be in the honey games for future games Interesting. At first, I thought this was kind of a kids' film, like you know, for y- little younger kids. But the story doesn't sound exactly uh, happy. Um, would you say that this would be best for like kids or adults? Like, what's your general age rating for this film? And um, I feel, I feel like it's kids real. It's kids pretty young, like ages four to seven. Because while it is kind of like a lot of politic like stuff, like the queens are getting angry at each other and stuff, but. Like, honest, it's a bit too repetitive for all the kids to enjoy that much. Okay, well, let's talk about that. How is it repetitive? And, well, it's a lot like other shows where, uh, so, like, they enter competition and this one person who, like, really, really wants to win and they're not on your team and they're, they're trying really hard. And they keep winning, and you you are not winning. And then, using the power of teamwork and friendship, suddenly you are able to win. Hmm. Yeah, that is too bad. That is a very common story that many kids' films and series, they kind of just take it, modify it for their characters, and say, okay, that's good. So I, it is too bad that they also use that. 
But I see that it is looks like a 3D animated film. So let's talk about the quality of animation for a bit. What did you yeah, think? Well, the animation is really it's really high quality, but it kind of goes back on itself because they the the bees' bodies are really really detailed. Like each individual hair appears to be animated, and it looks real real really realistic. And then the hair on their heads that's not on their bodies is just a solid blob of um, like color. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. It looks like they're trying going for a cartoony feel, but keeping with uh, very realistic animation. And I know a lot of studios struggle with that in between. Or Pixar, we're just talking about Incredibles, does that really, really well where they keep cartoony in real-life animation. It's too bad this one failed on that count. But uh, would you say that the animation tells the story well, or would you say that they probably could have improved at all? And well, I feel like I feel like if they had chosen like to go with the more cartoony and not gone for the realistic, then it would have gone much better with the story, because it's like it's it's a movie about insects playing a sport. This is a magical world. How you can't make this really realistic. This is something that can't be real. So how can you make it real? No, oh, that's very true. You should know what world you're creating. You're very correct about that. Now let's talk about the voiceover because this is an animated film. We got Coco Jack Gillies playing Maya, we got Branson Jack Anthony playing Willie, and a whole bunch of other people in the cast. So how was the voiceover? Um well I fi- I like the voiceovers for um Maya and Willie. They had like their motion matched the characters pretty well. Like Maya was really happy and I also there was a spider character, I can't remember her name and spin something but i also liked her voice actor i also can't remember her name because she she was also like pretty good with the emotion of a character who was kind of really sad and but then there were other characters that weren't voiced as well which was like violet who was the bully kind of Um, violet is played by lindo i'm so sorry to mispronounce your name and so yeah she she didn't really convey much emotion with her voice it was just like angry 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 and then when it got to the part where you're not angry it still sounds angry (laughs) yeah that's the thing about animation because a lot of the work needs to be done just with the voice you have to make sure you're very emotional so if you are just flat out one emotion it displays that in the character the animation artist can only do so much with audio you know you're listening to Kids First Comic Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and right now we are talking to Rowan about the brand new film, My the B2, The Honey Games, and we were just talking about the voiceover animation. Most people, they did well. Some people were a little bland in their emotions. Um, I want to talk about the story a little bit. I know that you mentioned that there's kind of this theme about friendship and teamwork. That's very common. Is there any actual message for kids other than that, or is it just the general friendship and uh, teamwork message and um, well there is one one other kind of moral that's in this film which is basically that you should admit to your mistakes and not blame other people for what you've what what's really your fault okay well that's a good message for kids to learn i mean those are all good messages for kids to learn definitely it is too bad that so many focus on only those few messages it doesn't really span out i know this is the second one uh, there was a first night of the beat 
Uh, would you say that this series could continue for a third or fourth one, or do you think that, no, this is good, they can stop it at number two? And, well, I feel like they probably should stop at this point, because, like, yeah, you have B characters, and they just exist, and you haven't really, they haven't really given much reason for the relationships they have. So, I don't know about the first movie, because I haven't seen it, but, like, the characters, there's a lot of characters that really have nothing, so I feel like they will continue the continue this with like expanding out on individual characters. But I don't really think they should because it's it's kind of a bit repetitive because there's a lot of movies now about insects. Yeah, there is. It looks like that's a very popular one for kids shows. What it sounds like is that this may be better as a TV show if they really want to explore all these characters and that they didn't explore but again i'm a little worried that it is repetitive like you said would you say that would be better as a tv show than a movie yeah i think i think it would be better as a tv show because they'll be shorter and a lot of the movie was unnecessary conflict and specifically one time mayor mayor works really like leaves members of her team behind so she can win the race which is one of the competitions. So she leaves them behind so she can win. And and she doesn't get them eliminated. And then they get really angry at her for leaving her behind. But then it's just resolved when she she says that, oh, it's because if we lose, all of her honey's gone. And they like, how did you not know that everyone else knows that? Huh, yeah, that's a very... I understand with kids' films that the conflicts don't have to be as deep and meaningful, but, you know, you still got to give them something. They can't be two-dimensional. If you could just change one thing about this film, like if there's just one part, like the animation or the cast or the story, which part would you modify? Um, I'd probably change the story because I I feel like there's more that could be done with this sports and this honey games. And I feel like they could have like really explained like what the Honey Games means, and not just okay, it's a competition that everyone knows about, yet no one knows what's happening. <laughs> okay, yeah, I can agree with that. You know, actually address the point of the story. That makes a lot of sense. I can kind of expect what your answer is going to be, but how many stories would you give this film? Um, I give it two out of five stars because. Oh, like, the animation was really good, but a lot of the story was lacking. Hmm, that makes sense, and it looks like they can definitely learn from it if they ever try to make a third one or a TV series. But thank you so much for talking to me about Maya the B2 Honey Games, Rowan. Thanks for having me. Of course. Let's take a break. I am Jerry Ors, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions, and this week's show is sponsored by Super 4. Welcome to Gunpowder Island. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. 
We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Talia Jacknook, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about some amazing films, such as Incredibles 2 and Maya the B2 Honey Games. And now we're going to be talking about Avengers Infinity War with Jerry. Okay. So, what a crazy hype this movie was. Marvel is such an amazing franchise. I absolutely love it. I mean, every time I go into a Marvel movie, I come out just laughing and so happy. Okay, so tell me a little bit about this film. What's it about? Yeah, of course. So, this is basically the climax of the entire Marvel Universe at the moment, where you basically have every single superhero that they had in all their films except for a few, and they're all teaming up against this one incredibly, incredible evil person named Thanos. And Thanos' evil plan is not to just destroy the universe or anything. No, he actually has a really deep and well-thought-out plan, and that's to wipe out half of the universe in order for the other half that survives to have a better life. And it's not like he does it based off anything, it's just completely random. And of course, the entire Avengers and all the other superheroes, the Guardians of the Galaxy, everyone, teams up to try to stop Thanos, and that film is basically about their fight. Huh, interesting. I really, I liked how they kind of had a bit of a twist, how he had kind of like an amazing plan, more than just like a completely evil plan. Yeah, so, he's, yeah, yeah, sorry, so, yeah, yeah, tell me a bit about that. Yeah, he's really, really uh, likable, almost, because he's so... His plan just makes so much logical sense. It's incredibly inhumane, and that's why they want to stop him. But it's incredibly logical, and it's just so weird that you can actually agree in some twisted way with the supervillain. And that shows that they did a lot of good development on him to be able to make him likable in any way. Yeah, totally. I've never actually heard of a film doing that before. That's absolutely amazing. I mean, usually... Usually films tend to kind of like make the villain really, people just don't like him at all or her. And yeah, I'm really glad how they kind of had that little twist there. And so you were talking about how they incorporated all, basically all of the Marvel universe into this film. So did they, did you think they did that well? Is there anything missing in that um, aspect of the film? Um, I don't think so. I don't think they introduced the superheroes themselves kind of well. So if you don't know who the superheroes are, 
very much good luck to you to watch this film. Like, I didn't see all the Marvel films. I saw almost all of them. I think the only one I haven't seen so far is Black Panther, but I still had some time trying to remember who was who because they're all big superheroes. It's just so many of them. Uh, but at, like, 10, 20 minutes in, they basically have introduced every single character in the entire film, and you can start in understanding where this is going. But if you don't know anything about Marvel, this film isn't for you. This film is definitely for the fans of Marvel that have been following them over the last several years. Oh, that's a bit of a disappointment for, you know, people who kind of just like, oh, this looks like a cool movie. I might check this out. And so you were saying that you've kind of checked out a little bit of Marvel, but maybe not all of the, mo- the movies. But so just from this movie that you watch, um, who is your favorite character? You know, that's really difficult. I think that Benedict Cumberbatch does Doctor Strange just so, so very well. I think that Robert Downey Jr. does Iron Man really well. I have a lot of favorites, but of course, I think that right now, uh, Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther is just so, so good. But I also have to give a shout out to one specific scene. I'm not going to name it because it's a spoiler, but Tom Holland as Spider-Man, there's one scene at the end or, oh my god, it's probably the most powerful scene in every single Marvel film ever made in this universe. It's just so, so good. And honestly, he deserves some sort of award for the, his acting in that scene. It was just so good. Yeah, Tom Holland, oh my gosh, what an amazing actor. I absolutely love him so much. And I definitely think his character is super unique. It's like a teenager, which I was like, wow, I didn't even know that they could incorporate that in like a superhero movie. Um, okay, so you say that they incorporated it, like, pretty well, everybody, a bit overwhelming, but, I mean, this cast is amazing, I mean, Chris Pratt, Scarlett Johansson, Chris Hemsworth, I mean, oh my gosh, amazing actors, so tell me about, um, their performances together. I think they work really well together, you know, um, since it's mostly an action film, you don't see a lot of heartfelt acting, which is, again, why I wanted to mention Tom Holland because that was just so heartfelt but what I like about this film is that they incorporated the character faults with each other very well it's not like everybody just has the same thing you know you know every single character has these deep conflicts inside them that they introduce in each individual film what I found kind of interesting is Doctor Strange's relationship with the other characters because in the in his own film he is egotistical in all but in this film, he seems almost colder. It's kind of weird. Maybe they'll address this more in the second part, because I know they're going to do a second part to this. But it's just very weird how they made Doctor Strange. It kind of makes sense based off his own Doctor Strange film and how he acted. But it was still kind of interesting how he acted. And I think that's something that he knew more than he was saying. Yeah, that is a bit different, how they kind of had that shift in um, a character like that. Yeah, I've hmm. Well, I guess we'll find out in the next one. So you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about Incredibles 2, Maya the Bee, and Avengers Infinity War. And right now I'm talking to Jerry about Avengers Infinity War. Okay, so tell me a little bit, a little bit about the CGI. Oh, CGI. That, you know, I, I did some research about the CGI for this, and I just want to give a shout-out to the hundreds of visual effects artists for this film because there were so many and they spent like 10 20 minutes because of course they stayed for the after after credits uh they spent a long time giving credit to every single visual effects artist 
in the credits. And then I learned that wasn't even all of them. There were just so many visual effects artists on this film. It was basically an entire city working on a singular two and a half hours. And it's just amazing. I mean, when you look at the raw footage that they record for Avengers films and other Marvel films, it looks like a home video. And I'm not even saying that lightly. It looks like a home video. You know, it's their skills and it's their craft and their art that allows it to become the beautiful film we see. So they did an exceptional job. And I still think visual effects is one of the most underrated and underappreciated industries in Hollywood. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, definitely there's so many people that went into making this film. Yeah, when I, I actually watched this film and I was like, I was just sitting there waiting because they oh, usually have a little like two minute ending scene um, after the credits. And I was like, goodness gracious, so many people went into making this. And so, yeah, since there's so many action scenes, so many things that need to be edited and um, so much CGI needs to be put in this film. Um, okay, so let's talk about some of like, the action scenes. So definitely very action-packed movie filled with tons of fighting. And um, So do you feel like um, the scenes are targeted for a specific type of audience? Uh, I think that, again, they're targeted for Marvel films because there's a lot of references to Marvel films and a lot of characters that, if you don't know anything about Marvel, it's going to be a little harder to figure out. Um, you could watch it without being a Marvel fan, but it would be a lot more difficult. They designed it so you could, but you shouldn't. And for the action scenes, I just think that they just did scale very well to the point where anybody can enjoy them. You know, you have very correct fighting, you have very good good choreography, where it's not impossible. Excuse me, it's not impossible, and it just looks right how they fight. And I think it's very dramatic, but it's not confusing either. They know properly that they should kind of zoom out a little bit. Just let you watch the chaos, not try to get the camera to follow the chaos. They do that very well. And a lot of uh, action scenes, even in other Marvel films, fail from this. I know a few Captain America films. They did this really badly, but this one luckily didn't suffer from that. So do you believe that, say, um, for all the crazy Avenger fans who've just been following this from the beginning, does this movie give it justice to the franchise? You know, I think that the ending gives it justice because they didn't shy away from what was going to happen. I think that they really pushed for that ending and they did it very well. I think that the film itself is a little lengthy. It's a little overwhelmed and it's still chopped in two parts. So it just shows you how much they had to cover. For what they wanted to do, they did it well, but they probably could have chopped it down a little bit because it was chaotic trying to follow everything, even if you're a big Marvel fan. Yeah, definitely. There was kind of a lot happening in this movie. Um, so what's the star and star rating you give and the age recommendation? I give it four out of five stars because I think it's an exceptional film. I think they did so much right with what they wanted to do. This was almost an impossible task, not to unite five or six superheroes, but like a dozen superheroes. And what is really exceptional is that the acting is natural, it's realistic, and they had a likable villain, which is just so hard to do. I give it an age rating of maybe, I'd say 13 or 14 to 18, because again, the ending, it's very real, it's very dark, and even at 16 years old, I was tearing up a little bit at the ending, and it was just so impactful. And it's a superhero film, you don't expect it to be this dark, gloomy film, but it does that so well, and I think the conflicts that you face, that the characters face, only really adults can uh, connect with the very deep conflicts that the characters face in this film. 
I am so happy that you connected on like a personal level to this film. I mean, that's very important to have like a really deep connection to like what's happening and it just makes it a little bit more realistic. So thank you so much for letting me interview you today. Of course. Thank you for letting me talk about the film. Yeah, of course. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our blog in the team section of Huffington Post and check out our YouTube channel. You can get there easily from our homepage at kidsfirst.org. This show is produced by Correlation for Quality Children's Media for the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by Welcome to Gunpowder Island, and I'm Talia Jacknook. Thank you so much for listening, and have a fantastic day. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.